0: This podcast contains material and language that may be disturbing to some listeners. While not explicit, listener discretion is advised. David and Shane discuss their random paranormal adventures and stories. We dive into paranormal cases from the past and the present. We also talk about what got us into the paranormal, the highlights, and the scary moments while on our adventures. This is Shane, and you are listening to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Just an FYI, I will be adding in EVP evidence periodically in this episode. Hey, thank you so much for tuning back into us. This is Shane. And David. In today's episode for our BRP podcast, we are talking about religion and how it plays a part in what the paranormal. And later on in the episode, we'll be talking about another case that my team did prior to David joining the team. And we'll be talking about that. And then David has a piece of equipment that he would like to talk about on this particular episode. Religion. It's a heavily disputed topic in regards with the paranormal. Now, anybody that's in the paranormal knows religion plays a key role into it because different religions have different outcomes with the paranormal. You think about Catholics, you can think about the Jewish religion, Protestants, the LDS faith, and even some of the other ones too, have their key roles with the paranormal and they have their own version of the paranormal. Now anybody that's familiar with the paranormal knows that obviously in the Bible it specifies that spirits walk amongst us on the same field as us. We typically call that purgatory for us people in the paranormal. You know they're able to be around us however they're not on the same dimension now they do have an option to go to the light if they so choose they also have an option to stay around especially if they have unanswered questions or if they need to get a message to someone and then obviously the, the shitty people in this world will always stay in the same field as us or they'll be going down hell and with that being said we'll be touching on essentially paranormal on a religious aspect and then we'll be also talking about exorcisms and how that plays a role with religion as well now where me and david are based the primary religion here in utah is utah and idaho is the lds faith mormonism they're a little bit different they're a little bit strange versus all the other religions out there A lot of the people that I come across that are heavily in that particular faith, they don't believe in spirits, even though their Bible specifies that spirits are amongst us They walk the same playing field as us. There's always going to be spirits all around us. But a lot of the ones that I've talked to that don't believe in paranormal, they think that essentially you go to heaven or hell, and then there's no in between. But if you take a look at other religions, for example, say... Catholicism, they believe in the spirits being around us all the time and a lot of people that I know that believe in the Catholic religion, they even say that they, you know, they believe the spirits are around us. Then you go to the non-dominational, you know, Christian religions, they tend to believe it as well, some of them not so much, some of them do. And it's this whole thing. Now, obviously we know that the paranormal field is a very contested field. Either you believe in it or you don't believe in it. There's no gray area, it's black or white. And some of these religions dictate how you see the paranormal in your own understanding, outside of what the Bible says or or anything like that. For coming from someone that grew up in this area, I. Did not grow up lds uh, frankly i was non-religious even though my father was believe he was baptized in the mormon church but we haven't practiced we have relatives that practice in the mormon religion but outside of that i mean i've i haven't been religious at one point in time i was atheist i didn't believe in it i you know i just couldn't believe that there was one god and one demon and on the same sense i still kind of believe that to this day I'm spiritual, so I have changed my beliefs and views, especially being in the paranormal. I still have a hard time saying that there's going to be one God and one devil. I think there's multiple layers to this, but that's my theory, because if you take a look at it on a religious aspect, you have your angels, you have your archangels, you have Jesus Christ, you have God. And then on the demonic side of things, I mean, there's going to be Satan, then there's the different levels of demons you you can have your warriors you can have your soul harvesters you can have the low level demons that just primarily just cause chaos in your life and that's essentially all that they do and then you have the common spirits that roam the earth that go from place to place or they like to stick in one particular location whether it's a particular item or the house or they just don't want to travel. In our experience with the paranormal, we've come across traveling spirits, we call them travelers. They just pop in, say hi, and then they leave, you know. Then we come across the resident spirits that tend to stick around but they keep to their own and they don't cause any chaos. And then there's the ones that want to cause issues within your household by slamming doors, throwing stuff, stealing stuff and placing it somewhere else, scratching you, trying to possess you, you know you can go through the list of things that spirits will do inside of a house. The biggest thing when it comes to religion and the paranormal, especially been doing this for so long that we've had to come in and clean up a few messes that religious folk have caused, particularly the LDS faith. They're not, they're they're, they're more of a newer religion out there. They're not as well versed in this as, say, the Jewish religion or the Catholics or anything like that. I don't understand how a LDS bishop can just walk into a house, bless the house, and call it good and say that the house is good to go, especially if there's something malicious, borderline demonic being in that house. We've had to come in and do a thorough cleansing on a few houses where they've brought in a bishop, things kind of cleared up for a day or two, and then it went back to normal. Normal as in, they were having paranormal problems again after that.
1: Well, we've actually never come across with a demon
0: before. I have. On a cleansing case.
1: And I've actually never done that before, but I would say Mm. demonic uh, cases or things that are actually demonic, I say that's
0: a 2%. Yeah, it's a very very low percentage of when you're going to actually come across a legit demon. I've only come across one. It was a cleansing case that that we were doing and it was causing chaos within their particular home, primarily with their children, but also causing chaos on their marriage and everything else. In the course of cleansing, it tried to attack me numerous times, particularly when I would try to bless the house, bless the doors, and everything like that. The feeling that I got after getting essentially an ass kicking from this particular demon, it was not good. I felt sore the next day. I felt drained for a few days after. And this was just a cleansing case. I mean, they called us. They were having these particular types of issues. It sounded to me like it was a common, just a common cleansing where they're having an an issue with an entity and they want to eradicate it and get rid of it because it's causing issues with their marriage, with their sleep schedule, with their kids, stuff like that. So I figured it was just going to be some just malicious entity that just Wanted to cause chaos and we could just kick it out of the house. Well, it wasn't until shortly after we got there. There was a little bit more than than what meets the eye. And that was the only particular demon that I came across. And it was just a low level demon. I mean, it wasn't just, it wasn't anything major like full blown, you know, have to do an exorcism and and everything like that. But there were some levels going on, you know, there was, there was oppression going on. There were a few other things that were happening too that were causing issues with their marriage and issues with the kids and behavioral issues and everything like that. But outside of that, like what David said, it's very, very rare. Most of the time you're just going to come across some asshole spirit that just wanted to cause chaos and then you just kick them out of the house with the cleansings that we do. And nine times out of ten, it resolves the issue. Every once in a while we'll have to go back for a second or third visit as a checkup to make sure everything's good to go with the religious aspect of it. It's uh you can't just walk into a house and just bless it and call it good. There's steps that needs to be done. Now I'm not calling out any particular religion, but I'm just saying if you're going to bless a house, do your research first before you bless the house. Cuz you can't just go in and just say a prayer and, and then walk out the door and say everything's peachy. It's that's not the case. Now with the Catholic religion, they tend to use, you know, holy water, they use basil, they use quite a few other things when it comes to their their exorcism process let alone their cleansing process. It's a pretty in-depth process that they use to do cleansings. Now the way that we do cleansings is a non-dominational type cleansing so we use anything from natural remedies, herbs, spices, to full-on religious artifacts like crucifixes and rosaries and Holy Water and Bible and the whole nine yards if we have to get to that point. Luckily, my team has not been able to get to that point, but we do have that stuff on hand on every single investigation just in case that that ends up happening. But like I said before, we haven't been able to use it because there hasn't been a need to use it. It's a very low percentile that you're actually going to come across an actual legit demon. There was a quote that I saw not too long ago that really just... Hit the nail on the head. Now, I'm not saying that because of these modern times that there's lack thereof demons. I just think in this digital age that we're not becoming in tune with our environment anymore. But this particular individual, her name is Catherine Burgess. She wrote an article about uh, religion and the paranormal and how they, how they differ from tradition, how they're casting out demons these days, stuff like that. And one sentence that really resonates with me because of the digital age is in the Western world, the belief in demons is largely disappearing. I honestly believe it's because we're so wrapped up in electronics, social media, stuff like that, that we don't pay attention to our surrounding areas. So instead of sitting on the couch watching TV with your loved ones, you're on your phone you're on your laptop you're on your tablet you're streaming music you're streaming movies and you're listening to them on your headphones and you're not paying attention to your surrounding areas i think that there still is a demon issue in the western world essentially even in asia and russia i think there's still going to be demons out there i just think that we're not tuning into it i fullheartedly believe that it be- makes you become an easier target because you're not paying attention Now I say that because when you're not Paying attention to your surroundings. It's a lot easier for a spirit to manipulate you and What I mean by manipulate they can manipulate your attitude they can sway your moods they can cause chaos when you're trying to sleep when you're thinking you know if you already have issues like say you have depression issues if you're suicidal if you have any other type of issue they tend to harbor on that and they tend to cause chaos on that particular aspect and we've run across that numerous times where spirits will influence another person's human psyche and it, and it is a real thing especially when you go back on the second or third visit for a checkup and you can just tell that they've completely flipped a 180 and their whole world is a lot better, more peaceful and stuff like that. When it comes to the religion aspect of it, they they'll give you counsel. They will help guide you to the light as outlined in the Holy Bible and the way that they're supposed to guide you in regards to religion. But sometimes you just don't get that level playing field that you get with the paranormal team when it comes to the paranormal there are some great aspects of religion there are some some not so great aspects of religion so for example if you were to say get possessed by a demon you call your local lds bishop well unfortunately the lds church does not have a particular exorcism ordinance but exorcisms would be considered a type of priesthood blessing in their own words. Now, I've witnessed some of these priesthood blessings. They can work if the intent is there. If the intent is not there, it is not going to work. And that kind of plays into how the LDS religion can't really exercise a house either.
1: Well, that plays in with uh, the the people like the homeowners like they have to also believe in an extent on what's happening whether it be the priest or us coming in and doing all this work if they don't believe in it and they don't have a good mindset going into it then none of it's going to matter it's going to come all back because the people living there aren't keeping those walls essentially that are put up there they're just letting it crumble so that's also a big problem with any type of cleansing or whatever that we mm-hmm. anyone does.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it's a two-party system. And like what David said, we've come across where, say, a, an LDS bishop walks into a house and blesses the house, but if the occupants inside that house nor the spirit is based off of that particular faith, it might not work. But it also plays into, if we were to go into the house too, everybody has to be on the same playing field. If we go in and cleanse a house, we expect you to do your end of the bargaining as well. Because if you don't, essentially we wasted two hours of our time and the issues come back a day or two later.
1: Yeah, well, what, an example of that is uh, we go into a house and, you know, people are doing drugs, right? Drugs are a natural way to. For negative spirits to come in because it essentially it lowers your guard when you do drugs so that allows spirits to be able to attach themselves to you and drugs in themselves are a negative nature anyways mm-hmm. so that attracts stuff so if we go in there clear out spirits whatever do all that stuff and then we leave and then you still do drugs that's basically you opening the door again for more different spirits to come in so that's it's an endless loop and we can't fix the problem unless you the self decide hey I'm going to be a better person and maybe not do drugs and so this stops happening
0: Mm -hmm. exactly
1: that's just like a one example
0: yeah now let's take a look at like the Catholics for example they have it all laid out between Catholicism and Judaism they pretty much have it laid out when it comes to exorcisms, like they have a process that they go through and it's like a step-by-step process and they essentially, you have to check the boxes to get that formal exorcism from that particular religion. I have not heard of any um, exorcisms that have went bad from those two particular religions. But it can happen that an exorcism could go sideways, the person dies, or anything like that. It's not a one-cure-fits-all type thing. And some of the other religions out there, yes, they could probably do exorcisms, probably not as good as some of the more prominent religions out there. But it can't be as bad as when the LDS faith tries to do an exorcism and it goes completely sideways. I mean it's... If we're going into people's houses and cleansing their houses after a blessing has been done on their house because the blessing didn't work at all, that kind of leads me to believe that an actual proper exorcism from a newer church isn't going to go as well as anticipated either. But those are my two cents on it. My my biggest gripe about religion in general, because it's so polarized with the paranormal. Like I said before, that it's black and white, there's no gray. And some of these religious folk either fall in one of those two categories. They either fully believe in it or they don't. Which makes me question, have you even read the Bible? Because I've read the Bible, even though I'm not a religious person, I've read the Bible. And there's been multiple references of spirits amongst us. But how can you sit there and read the Bible and then sit there and say to my face that you don't believe in ghosts?
1: i think it is uh not for everyone but for a lot of people that don't believe in uh the spirits and ghosts and all that stuff is i'm pretty sure majority of them are afraid they're afraid that everything they've read or whatever is true and they don't want to deal with something that they can't see or interact with and to them it's all scary because if it's something they don't understand. And I think that's the biggest thing most people fear... Is something they don't understand.
0: Yeah. Because it, it is an unseen thing. Like it is a, an unexplained occurrence. Just because you can't see it... Doesn't mean that it's not there. They could be doing other things... To make you aware that they are there. Sense of smell is one thing. I can not t- I can't tell you how many times I've been in a location and if the previous occupant of that location or someone that's hanging out there if they were a heavy smoker if they like cigars if they liked a particular type of perfume or cologne those are some of the things that you'll just catch a brief whiff of and then it's gone that's a sign that they're trying to tell you that they're there with you you know if you're driving down the road and you get to a four-way stop and you know you look both ways and you're about ready to proceed but that little voice in the back of your head tells you hey you probably shouldn't go yet so you slam on your brake and all of a sudden this car just screams right by you you just avoided an accident that's a spirit telling you hey you need to be careful you know that's another cue that they're there with you and it doesn't have to be in one particular location we all have spirit guides some of them call them guardian angels Essentially, they're here to protect you. I have two spirit guides. David has two spirit guides Some people only have one spirit guide. Some people have multiple. It just depends on that particular person But I can't Can't still seem to wrap my head around how some of these religious folks just you know like what David said out of sight out of mind It's not something that everybody can see spirits can make themselves known to you, if they really, really want to. It takes a lot of energy for them to do so, because obviously they don't have a physical form anymore. They're just a body of mass. They're EMF, electromagnetic field. They're energy. We're all energy. Have you ever lost a loved one, and you go to touch their hand or their head, and you feel nothing, no energy, nothing coming from that body? That's because the spirit has left the body the energy is gone I've experienced that not too long ago Touched someone that was on life support when I already knew that they were past there's nothing there essentially you're not feeling anything so it just the energy aspect of it it takes a lot of energy to fully manifest and that's in a black mass and an actual form say a human form or even an animal form because, think of it this way. The natives, they believe in spirits, but they believe spirits in animal form. That's why they they believe in like hawks, eagles, bears, stuff like that. I've been told that my two animals are a bear and a hawk. And ironically enough, I see hawks everywhere now. Now that that present has been brought to me from a native, me and David both did a abandoned mineshaft and we spoke with a, a native chief and his warriors and if i remember correctly david i think your nickname was uh was it squirrel boy man who ran uphill or something like that
1: it started out as like uh something something goat because when we got there it's like a big uh it was a bunch of ma- basically we're on like mountain ranges like you know big hills up and down and I pretty much just ran up this hill and was just traversing like crazy up there. And he's like, it was like, boy who climbs up hill. And then they related it to like a goat. And then I was like, I was like, yo, w- what the heck? I don't yeah. want to be a goat. And then he's like, all right, fine. You will be squirrel boy. then." And I was yeah, like, squirrel boy. I
0: was like, God, damn it, I guess. And I got labeled as a bear as the protector. And so that kind of gives you a brief glimpse on different ways, different groups of people categorize the paranormal. I truly believe that if people can just set their shit down and just pay attention to their area. Maybe your mother is trying to tell you something. Maybe your dad's trying to tell you something. Maybe your grandparents are trying to tell you something. Maybe your spirit guides are trying to tell you something. But you're too enwrapped in social media and your electronics that you're not paying attention to your environment. The best tool you can ever have is your body. We have all the different senses out there. We have sense of taste, smell, hearing, sight, feeling. And guess what? Paranormal checks off all of those different types of things. Because if the spirit wants to try to communicate with you, they're going to try different things. They're going to try to tell you. They're going to try to touch you. They're going to try to cause something to... Grab your attention, whether it's a drastic cold shift or an energy burst or anything like that. And realistically speaking, some of these people that just don't want to believe into the paranormal—that's religious. You really need to have a sit down with your higher power, your bishop, the priest, or even talking with your own maker, you know, Jesus Christ or God, and ask for a sign. I think that would go a long ways versus just being ignorant because you read it in the Bible and then just completely shutting it off from everything else. I think that being completely ignorant is the wrong way to go through, especially when some of the religions out there rely heavily on spirits and the spirit world and and all of that. What are your thoughts, David?
1: Um, Well, do you want my opinion on what I feel about uh, religion in general?
0: Air it all out okay
1: so here's my thing with re- religion because I'm, I'm not religious but i'm okay with people who are religious like i'm not gonna slam anyone's beliefs and it doesn't even have to be like standard religion it could be any type of religion out there to me as long as you're a g- good person i don't care what you believe in and that's kind of my philosophy is like because my problem with religion in general is i don't want to worship or believe in something that man tells me i should believe in if there is a higher power out there like a god i want proof for myself from the source not from because this person read a book and they say it's true so i got to believe them because man is deceitful so i I don't i don't trust that so but i'm 100 percent open to people believing in it and I had a coworker that was very religious and I actually enjoyed on our drives to the job or whatever, listening to what his beliefs are and what they teach because I like to find out that a lot of the stuff that they believe in mirrored with the stuff that we do with the supernatural in general. Mm -hmm. So that, that's just my thing. But I mean, to me, as long as I'm a good person in life, if there is an afterlife and a higher power, I would hope that I get judged. Because of the good deeds I did, not because I didn't, quote unquote, believed in them.
0: Agreed. Agreed 100%. I don't need to bow down to a religion to know that I'm going to go to heaven. And I don't need to wear some sort of a special garment and do Freemason handshakes inside of a temple to be sealed for all eternity, either. I honestly think that if you're a good person, you do good in this world and you don't wrong anybody and you try your best to be the most upstanding citizen that you can be you should be able to to go to heaven just fine without having the religious aspect of it now some people might say that religion believing a religion is basically fear for what's unknown which could be true yes if you look back in the history of what religion has done, religion has caused a lot of fear-mongering. They've caused a bunch of other issues. They've even caused wars. And like what David said, humans are deceitful. I mean, look at it, look at the history of mankind. Look at what we've done to other human beings. The genocide of, of our natives, for example. Our natives were... Some natives out there were not so nice. Let, let's be honest here. There's some groups out there that just loved war, loved chaos and that's what they done but some groups out there they were peaceful, they were accepting, they allowed you in with open arms and of course as man is we took full advantage of it and look what happened. Like I briefly touched on how the LDS church essentially massacred women and children from the native tribe just north of Preston. And that's not the first time that's happened either. They've done it in southern Utah as well at the Mountain Meadows Massacre.
1: Well, then you just have,
0: but even before, Mm -hmm. like,
1: the LDS or whatever, you even had natives, murdering natives. Like, they they all fought for land themselves, so, I mean, it doesn't matter who it is, people are going to fight and kill for stuff no matter what they are
0: war is a thing that will never go away there's always going to be war even before white men even touched foot onto this continent the natives were fighting each other over land which that happens if you look over in europe look back when vikings were there and and everything else back when pompeo was a thriving town and greece and athens and all those places uh, the Egypts, the Egyptian people, there there's always going to be war. And 9 times out of 10, war is fueled because of religion. Now you might be asking, are you going on a tangent and not talking about the paranormal anymore? You just want to talk about religion? No, it, it all ties in. Because if you look in the history of mankind, especially back in the day with like the egyptians the egyptians believed in certain gods they believed in spirits they believed in entities people over in athens and greece and the romans they all believed in multiple gods they believed in spirits and all that good jazz so you see how it all kind of ties in so before the name jesus christ ever became a thing there were multiple gods different levels and they believed in spirits. Now in the modern day, we believe in one god, one demon, and we still believe that they're spirits on this playing field. But that's just one type of spirit. We haven't even touched, even scratched the surface on some of the other ungodly paranormal things out there, like shapeshifters, wraiths, skinwalkers, elementals, stuff like that, even in certain regions. Like, I wouldn't say a chupacabra is a spiritual thing, but it's it's definitely a paranormal type thing. Different areas across the globe, they could be believing in something else that kind of ties in with their religion as well. What are your thoughts on that, David?
1: Yeah, well, chupacabra, I would say, is more like cryptic creature. Uh, yeah, kind of like a race. Because I, I think it, it could potentially be something that's physically a, a body and, you know, just a type of species of maybe an animal that we just are not familiar with but uh, so I, I have a potential theory on uh, how spirits tie in with the religion what we're talking about uh, and that's with the spirit world or purgatory or whatever you want to call it in why we see spirits here and I think if there is a God there is a higher level whatever when someone dies I think The spirit world or purgatory, it's the same as our world, and it's just mirrored, but it's like more black and white. And it's almost like, in my way of simplifying it, like a waiting room. And depending on what you did your whole life, like say you stole something that's like a point or whatever, a year that you have to wait in purgatory before you're judged. So that's my explanation, one of them that I potentially could believe in. I mean, I don't have full answers yet, that's why I do this on why spirits are still around our world is because they're waiting to be judged. And then some people probably want to hide because they don't want to be judged because they're afraid. And so then they get running around and stuff like that. So that's one of my theories on why spirits are here.
0: Which that's an excellent theory because there's been a time or two where we've done cleansings and There's been spirits that want to move on. They want to go to the light, but they're scared because they're scared of being judged. And the thing is, you can't be scared. I mean, yes, you... Like, so... Let me back up a little bit. So, we were on one residential case here in Utah where we came across this spirit. He was a drug user. He died of an overdose. And so he's kind of been in a state of confusion for a while. The biggest thing was he was scared of passing over because he thought that he couldn't pass over because of his history. But with all the religions out there, they always preach that God loves all. God is forgiving. So is Jesus Christ. He is also forgiving as well. The feeling that you get when you finally get the spirit to pass over to light is something that I just cannot fathom in words. But I will tell you this, it is a warming, loving feeling that you would never feel in the paranormal. Or even in day by day life. You know, it's... Spirits are stuck in this realm because they're either A. They have to wait it out as a theory. B. They're too scared to move up. C. They have a message they want to give out. Or D. They just want to protect their loved ones. They want to watch over the loved ones, which I would completely understand. But you can also do the same thing after when you pass over as well. You do have that option from going from heaven back to to here and back. From my understanding. Now, don't quote me on that. I'm not saying that that is 100% true, but in my experience, that has an option. Hence why we have spirit guides. They've already passed over to the other side and they're here to guide us. They're here to guide us to do things that are right. They're here to guide us to the route that we need to take. And some of these spirits, they just, they need to not be so frightening. Yes, it, it is a frightening thing. I mean, who wouldn't be frightened that one day you're alive and the next day you're dead. One day you were, you were kissing your loved ones. And then the next day you can only look at them. You can't touch them anymore because they won't feel you if they're not in tune to their particular area. So religion does play a huge part in the paranormal, but I think it's a misguided play. I think most religions need to kind of take a step or two back and then reaffirm with everybody that, yes, there are spirits in this world. Yes, there are going to be around us. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, you're going to have to start paying attention to your surroundings. Because if your mother was trying to tell you something that she passed away, well, she's going to be persistent on trying to tell you and you're not listening and that can happen. What are your thoughts, David?
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of things is when most people, uh, when they start getting older or dying of old age, they have that connection to family. You know, they start seeing people that you can't see and they start, that's them getting prepared for death. Then when you have a tragic death, like a car accident, that person wasn't ready for it. And so they're a little more confused and unsure on what to do. So that's when I feel like they get trapped versus someone who's slowly progressing into the stages of dying. They're kind of more and more uh, getting ready for it. That's, That's how I feel.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I think that's a good stopping point on this particular topic. Now on our next episode that we're going to be doing, we're going to actually dive into the spirit world in general. So, we're going to kind of touch bases on some of the things that we talked about in this episode, plus some other information that we're going to talk about in the next episode as well. And on the last episode, I wanted to correct myself. So, I, I said that UFOs and Squatches and Loch Ness Monster is paranormal. It can be paranormal, yes, because it's something that's unexplained. You can also use the term supernatural as well with that tagline, because the meaning of supernatural is also things that are unknown or unexplained as well. So I wanted to get that out there so that way I don't get any hate mail for saying that UFOs are paranormal, which it can be, but it's also supernatural as well. That's another term that we use. So with that being said, we're gonna go into a case that I worked with my original group when I started my group. So we talked about the Whittier Center last week. This week, we're going to talk about Hans Lounge. Hans Lounge was a bar located in Hiram, Utah. Was a bar until the owner, unfortunately, he passed away. The city took over the building and they demolished it. I have my personal issues with that anyway, but anybody that's familiar with Utah, Idaho, particularly Utah in general and the religion here, they don't like alcohol, they don't like bars, they don't like anything that normal adult people like to go out and do. At one point in time, Logan, Utah was a poppin' bar town. I mean, it was a party town for the college. And nowadays, I think, as it sits right now, we only have like four, maybe five bars. At the most, and 30, 40 years ago, there was upwards of like 15 bars in this valley. So you can tell how things have changed as time progresses. But Hans Lounge, it was an awesome little bar. I never went to Hans Lounge until I started doing pool leagues back when I used to work at another bar. And that was also a location that we've investigated. We've investigated at least three different times. That place had some interesting activity because depending on what part of the building you were in depended on what type of activity you were getting. On one side of the building we were getting female voices, footsteps, knocks. On the other side of the building, we were getting red anomalies. I got attacked, which I'll go into detail about that later. And different types of anomalies as well, plus plus steps. And then in the basement. I just
1: heard something.
0: I just heard something. Uh, Wasn't that active, but there was something down there to be quite honest with you. So the history now, I haven't been able to find much history online during a lot of research and everything years ago when we started going to that location and investigating it. Rumor has it that two people have died in that building, a female that was raped. Gang raped her and beat her up really bad. And she came back in bleeding, they left her in the corner. And had gang raped her and beat her up really bad. And she came back in bleeding, they left her in the corner. And beaten to every inch of her life. And then there was a band member that passed away on stage during a a live set. Had a heart attack, a life-ending heart attack, and he died right there on the spot. Now, couple that with the fact that it's a bar people either go there to have a good time or they're going there to drink their sorrows away and drink their life away essentially so you have all of that different type of energy meshed together into one building and that's the type of activity that they were getting so we started out with just doing evp burst sessions we had equipment set up and everything things were happening anomalies were shooting in and out of the the screen, we got EVPs, stuff was happening on camera. I made the bold decision to essentially provoke. Now I'm going to go on a tangent here. I do not suggest or recommend doing any type of provoking whatsoever. Now you have to remember, spirits were once living human beings. And essentially, if someone was talking shit right to my face, i knocked them out. Let's be honest. It's the same type of concept when you're talking shit to a spirit. If you're calling them out, if you're provoking, they're gonna rock your world. And that's exactly what happened to me. Now in the previous episodes, I've talked about that I'm, at this point in my life, I was a greenhorn. I was new to the paranormal field, just barely started my team. I was still learning things. I was still learning the ropes. And I decided that it was a good idea to provoke the spirit because we just weren't getting any communication whatsoever. And so after provoking and provoking and provoking, I had a camera set up with a laser grid. I saw this black mass, as I'm provoking, come into the laser grid and then quickly go out of the laser grid. Then I felt weird. I felt like something wasn't right. So I stopped everything that we were doing and we went over to the other side of the bar because it wasn't just me that saw that black mass. It was another investigator that was with me as well that also saw that. So we we walk over to the other side and I sit at one of the bar stools and I slowly just started hunching over and it felt like I just lost all energy. Like I just felt like, I felt like I wasn't supposed to be alive. I felt like it, something wanted me dead. It, it just, the feeling that I got, the lack of energy. And mind you, this took me days to recover from this. This might have only lasted about five, 10 minutes, but the lingering effects lasted for days. The group members at the time, they all checked in on me, made sure that I was okay. I finally walked outside, got some fresh air, got some of my energy back. And that's when I realized that what I did was completely wrong. And since then I haven't provoked, but I've always had that lingering scare in the back of my mind every time I walked into that building ever since that happened. Now just like the Whittier Center, every time we went in there, it's always been slightly different. There's always going to be activity, just the activity is different and the responses that we get are a little bit different as well. At one point in time, I wasn't on this particular investigation, but a few of my investigators went over there and did a follow-up investigation. They said that shit was going off the wall to the point where it was scaring them and then stuff was following them home from that investigation. And then the third time that we went, it was a little bit more mellow, but it wasn't, it wasn't as active as the first or second time. But we concluded that particular location and we documented everything, we reviewed everything. That was by far probably the scariest thing that I've ever went through was being attacked. But it was my own damn fault for provoking. I should never have provoked and I do not recommend anybody provoking. You should never provoke. But the type of activity that we got and the type of evidence that we got from this particular location, it was surreal. It's just more evidence that the paranormal was out there at that time when, when we were doing it. Since then, the owner died. Unfortunately, they had to close down the bar and everything and then they tore down the building. Now this particular building was attached to a community center, town hall place, that Hiram, Utah uses. And they use it for a number of different things. I think at one point in time it was a skating ring, if I remember correctly. I think it was. I'd have to look back at my notes, but but essentially the two buildings were married together. When I mean by they were married together, they shared the same foundation. I honestly think that they, instead of spending the money just tearing down that portion of the building, I think they should have just gutted it out and renovated it out to be part of that original building. But that's just my two cents, and the, and the reason why I say that is because if any of my listeners have ever been to this bar, that's in this area, and if you've been down in the basement, there is literally a doorway, same foundation the whole way, and the whole nine yards, the doorway that goes from the bar to that other building. shared the same foundation so they had to spend more money just to secure the foundation to tear down this building versus just renovating it out and having an even bigger building which would in turn make more money for the city because it's a city-owned building but that's just my gaffe on that and maybe i just think outside the box but i think historical locations like that should still be preserved but if anybody knows the LDS religion they only preserve certain aspects of their history, so certain buildings will definitely be torn down because they don't want to remember that particular part of history, but they'd rather keep other buildings like an old academy or something like that. That will do it for that particular case. It was definitely a fun case to do. It's not the first bar that we've done. Years later, we've done another bar, but we'll when we get to that episode, we'll talk about that particular bar that we did as well david was with me on this one and that one was a very very active bar between footsteps and disembodied voices we had a pretty fun night wouldn't you say david
1: yeah yeah, that was a good one that was very early on in my joining the group i know that much but yeah that's that's a good one yeah i liked it
0: So, David, what piece of equipment would you like to talk about on this episode? Well,
1: before I bring up the equipment, I just wanted one more thing. I think there's a good difference between provoking and being stern. Yes. And you're dealing with a negative spirit because there's there's calling out a spirit like, oh, you're not tough, you know, come mess with me. And then there's one where you can be like, you can't touch me, back off. You know, there's, there's different types of
0: challenging versus telling something to back off. Yeah definitely yeah there's there's a stark difference in between that and you'll know when if you ever get out on an investigation you will know firsthand what we're meaning If the spirit is harassing you you can firmly tell it to essentially screw off don't touch me that's not provoking but telling the spirit that they're worthless and they can't do anything to you and try to take me out that's essentially provoking you're challenging that spirit and nine times out of ten you're going to come out worse for wear. You'd have better luck fighting another human being than trying to challenge a spirit. But that's just my theory on it.
1: Yeah, so I just wanted to get that clear so people listening know. But piece of equipment talk about, it's a standard thing that I think anyone starting out in this field should have. And that's a digital recorder. And essentially all it is is it's just a piece of thing that just records audio that's all it does you click a button it records stop whatever and i think it's very vital to have that because just asking questions you know you don't know if anything's talking back to you but with a digital recorder you can go back and listen and spirits have a way of talking to us through this device whether it be form a sound wave that we ourselves can't hear but the static white noise that the digital recorder is making is a different wavelength that spirits could potentially talk to us through and so I think that's something very good for everyone to have and they're relatively inexpensive depending on which ones you get but then obviously the more expensive they are the better quality you you can get and David
0: Um, uh, for some of our listeners out there what does EVP mean electronic voice phenomenon Essentially, it's a voice that we cannot hear with our own ears, but it can be recorded on tape, digital recorders, stuff like that. Some of the history on the digital recorder, now, you'll probably hear of people using old school cassette tapes for recording. That's where the first EVP came from, if I remember correctly, and obviously it's blossomed from there. And I even see teams these days still using old-school techniques like using a tape recorder for doing EVP sessions. Which I can see the upside and the downside of that as well because the upside of it, you know, you're going old school, you're getting the raw of the raw. But on the downside of it is now you're going to have to have a program to transfer that information from a cassette tape to your computer. Which if you're set up to do that, that's great. But nine times out of 10, most people aren't set up for that. And buy that equipment, it's not cheap because it's antiquated equipment now. Well, I mean, we're in 2020 where we could do everything from our phones now. I would say 10 years ago, it would have been a more relevant thing because you've heard of people transferring their VHSs to DVDs, that was a booming industry. 10 or so years ago. There's still people around today that still do that, but it's not as relevant as it was 10 years ago. That's why I kind of went on that particular tangent because the old school people, they use the old ways of gathering evidence versus what we use now, which is a digital recorder, but it's the same concept, just digitized instead of analog. But go ahead, David, sorry. All right, so
1: yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all it does and but I got a story to go along with that so I got a digital recorder but it's slightly different it's it's like in a watch form so it's like straps around my wrist like a watch and press the side and it records now with this particular one though it doesn't have any slot for like an SD card for memory so you literally have to plug it into a computer to to offload it but it's got a a pretty long internal memory on it, so I can actually have a decent amount, but some that you get, you want to make sure that you have a potential ability to have a micro SD slot so you can have it running. But for my wrist one, what I mainly use it for is for burst sessions. So I don't just turn it on and leave it going because it's on my wrist. I walk in, you can hear it, you know, hear it, and then occasionally I'll bang my arm into something. And then if I play back and listen to that, it's very detrimental on my ears. Um, But so the story going along with this is uh, I was in Eureka, Utah. And there's a area that I was shown by this bar area. And it's called the topless bar for not what you think. It's just a bar that has no roof. So it's called the topless bar. And there's a a bit at the very back that a hatch in the ground opens up and you go down underground. And there's some storage. And then what there is, there's a tunnel that goes like probably 30-40 feet towards the road and you I, I had to crawl there was no way I was not getting there without crawling on my hands and knees which was fun by the way and get to the end and it's just a, a circle pit I couldn't tell you what they used it for Guesses probably anywhere from like a prohibition type hiding anything or smuggling or who knows. But so I'm in there by myself. Like I said, I'm underground, I'm 30 feet. I had to crawl, so I'm away from everyone. And I'm just sitting in there in the dark. And it's it's dark, I have no like flashlights on me. I have like a device in my hand that it's got a screen light on it, right? And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, this is a good time. Turn on recorder, just play it because I can't hear nothing. It's just silent and it's playing. I'm like, all right, and I get this feeling that something's to the left of me now the entrance when I crawled once you get out of it you kind of kind of steps down so I'm standing and I'm about face level with the entrance and I just have an image of something on its hands and knees just staring me in the face but it's dark so I can't see nothing so I just I get my little screen with the light and I kind of point it towards it to see if I see anything and I, I didn't see nothing I was like that was a weird feeling and then later when I went back and reviewed my evidence I hear a voice anomaly pops up and at one point before i even went back and checked it i was like i thought i heard something i was like i swear i heard something and then so i i yelled through the thing i was like does anyone say anything couldn't they, no one could hear me i couldn't hear anyone else and i played that recorder back and i hear a female voice saying oh baby and i was like when i heard that i was like what? I freaked out. I was like, did I just hear that? And I played it back in I heard it. I was like, that is really interesting and But because I, I felt that I knew something was there and the fact that I caught something was even more spectacular especially that. And I don't know what that meant. I didn't even know I was talking to anybody but I just I caught it without knowing I caught it until I went back afterwards. Hmm. But that, that place is pretty pretty interesting, uh, Eureka, Utah. There's a lot of other things that we did down there. and It was pretty cool. I'd like to go back there.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now, question to our audience. Anybody that has done paranormal investigations before, what is your go-to digital recorder that you use? Now, for me, I have an Olympus and I also have a Sony. They're about, I'd say price range 45 to about $65 that's the standard price range for a decent digital recorder it'll get the job done records crisp and clear and they're easy to set up and everything and then obviously if you go into more expensive stuff you know the the one, two, three, four hundred dollar digital recorders those have a lot more features, a lot more benefits to them and everything like that But Realistically speaking, you can get away with just a standard Sony or a Olympus, and you're good to go. As long as it plugs into a computer and you can offload it, then you'll be fine. It's when you start getting into like the cheaper stuff, like we were talking about using old-school ways of doing paranormal. And if you try to cheap out on like a digital recorder, say you go buy like a $10, $20 digital recorder. I mean, it might record just fine, but how are you going to offload it? There's no, there's no USB port on them, there's no SD card on them, nothing. It's just internal memory and that's it. That's where you're going to have a problem. But those are the two that I use personally and they seem to work just fine. I've noticed that one tends to have a better time recording quieter sounds than the other. But that's just in my experience, it just, it just all depends on how you use it. But would you say that probably just getting a, an Olympus or a Sony would be your good first one, or would you say getting the watch would be a better option? Well,
1: I've only had the watch, and I know other, you know, yours are are different than mine. But I've liked the watch. I've never had really any problem with the watch. But if I was gonna get a different one other than my watch, like a just like a freestanding one, I'd probably get more of a Zoom brand mm-hmm. one, just because I, I I like their product better but with, yeah. with my watch because it is it's from ghost stop and it's a wrist recording watch and i've had no problem with it and i i liked it so i i went with it and i, I don't i don't think it's that it was that expensive i think it was like 76 dollars or something like that
0: yeah now don't you have both versions didn't you have version one and their version two
1: yeah i had the first one that they got out which was more just sleek Oval shape, and then their other version came out was the screen was more of a square, kind of like an Apple Watch almost. Mm-hmm. But I, the sound quality really wasn't that much difference between the two. They could have maybe added a little more stuff, but both worked fine in my opinion.
0: So it's more of like a uh, a more sleek design with more features, but the recording's about the same
1: yeah yeah one one looked more like a watch one more looked like a fitbit almost
0: okay
1: but i mean i really don't use digital recorders that much anymore because that's what most of the people can can have and get and i like to use more stuff that other people don't have so i keep a variety of what we're using so usually i let someone else do the digital recorder and i'll use a piece of equipment that they don't have, you know, Mm -hmm. because it doesn't make sense if someone has a piece of equipment, and I also have that piece of equipment to use both because, you know, then I have another piece of equipment where we can get potentially more evidence from. Yeah. But then it's sometimes good to use two because then if one's going off, you can try to use the other one to confirm that, and if that one goes off, then you can confirm it. So it just depends on how you want to play it.
0: Yeah, and if it's a big location, it's always nice to have when members of your team have the same piece of equipment then you can kind of scatter them out and use them as like trigger objects and stuff like that to gather up evidence as well. So, since you and I both have the melmeter with the REM pod attached to it and everything we could use, say for example, yours on the main level and then we can use mine on the upper level as a stationary thing. That would be an example of using the same equipment at the same time for different purposes Yeah, but that will do it for our second episode we thank you so much for tuning in and listening in next episode that we're going to be doing we're going to be diving into the spirit world in general and then we're going to be talking about three different cases that my team has worked and then David will be talking about a piece of equipment of his choosing so that way he can further educate you guys on how some of these equipment work So we thank you for tuning in, and you guys have a great rest of your day. You are listening to the Bear River Paranormal Podcast, BRP Podcast. If you or you know of someone who is having issues with an entity or a possible haunting, please send us an email, text, or call. You can find all of our information at www.bearriverparanormal.com. We work 24-7 so we can resolve your paranormal issues quickly and as conveniently as possible. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Toss us a rating or a review. You can also find us on Facebook at BRPPodcast. If you are interested in sponsoring us, please send us a message. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for listening, and have a great rest of your day.